Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. I brought a special friend today. I think Pastor Jerry did as well. You'll meet him here in a little bit. This is Slowpoke. And it's one of the, the one beanie babies that my son Xavier has not gotten a hold of. He stays in my office. He's one of my favorites. So this is Slowpoke the Sloth. We have spent the last few weeks looking at some of the seven deadly sins. And I hope that they have challenged you as we have come face to face with them. So simple, yet so complex. These sins get to the heart of the virtues that make us most human, those things that make us who we are most created to be. And as Christians, and especially as Methodists, we don't like to talk about sin too much, do we? There is shame and even fear about what might happen if we spend too much time talking about it. Beloved Christian author Rachel Held Evans, who tragically passed away a few years ago, once said in an interview, when asked why she was a Christian, said, I'm a Christian because Christianity names and addresses sin. It acknowledges the reality that the evil we observe in the world is also present within ourselves. It tells the truth about the human condition, that we're not okay. So as we continue our journey through these oh-so-simple but oh so human sins, my prayer for us is that we are not afraid to name them and even claim them. My prayer for us is that we also continue to recognize that while we are oftentimes stuck in our sins, that we have a Savior who works in our lives in spite of that and saves us from ourselves. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. As for the sin of sloth, I confess to you that there are times when Saturday night rolls around and I think to myself, is tomorrow really Sunday already? Again? I guess it happens every week. Or when my alarm goes off in the morning, especially this morning, with losing that hour of sleep, and instead of getting excited about worshiping with you beautiful people on a Sunday morning or beginning another day of ministry during the week, All I feel like doing is staying in bed. Or how about the times that instead of doing devotional reading or reflection, I'm looking at social media or playing Candy Crush on my phone instead? Guilty. All of these times are examples that the deadly sin of sloth has gotten to me personally. But the sin of sloth, of course, is more than falling asleep in front of the TV or not wanting to get out of bed in the morning or even nodding off during the sermon. I'm watching you guys. At first glance, being slothful does not seem so sinful to us. Or at least we really don't see it as some kind of opposition against God. Sometimes we are just tired and weary. And that's just the truth for a lot of us these days, and that's okay. But more than simply being weary or lazy, I would say that the sin of sloth has more to do with apathy, a lack of caring, and the fact that there is a deep problem with our faith if we are no longer making an effort to deepen it 
and no longer deepen our commitment to God, when we no longer seek God, when we no longer see faith as something that requires us to do anything, or when we think we have it all figured out. Sloth is the sin of simply giving up and seeing faith as just an accessory to our lives. And we see church as something we just do on Sunday mornings because it's part of our weekly routine. Sloth becomes a deadly sin when we realize that it eats away at our soul, extinguishing the faithful fires and it wears down the soul by slow degrees. Sometimes this takes place over time and we don't realize how bad it's gotten until we wake up one day and wonder where our faith and our hope in Christ has gone. I've seen or experienced this myself many times. A spiritual awakening happens, whether it's at some kind of retreat or a conference, or for our youth, maybe it's a camping experience or a youth retreat. We have an amazing experience of God or the Holy Spirit lighting a fire in our hearts, and we love Jesus so much that we can hardly stand it. But then, after a while, time passes, life happens, we get busy, and we forget our excitement, and the promises and commitments we might have made in the heat of the moment. It's one thing to have a life-changing religious experience or spiritual awakening at a conference or a retreat or some experience other than that, or even sitting on your porch watching the stars. It's quite another to keep it going for the long haul. To keep our faith in God, to keep walking the road ahead of us, even when it seems boring or uninteresting, or we feel disconnected, when it becomes difficult, that is the real challenge. And that is also when sloth is most likely to creep in. No other book in the Bible addresses the sin of sloth better than Ecclesiastes. One of the wisdom writings of the Hebrew Bible attributed to King Solomon, Ecclesiastes addresses the meaning of life and humanity's purpose on earth. The author ponders what it is, what it means to be alive, and the message is ultimately one that speaks of life as fleeting, empty, and a mere breath, and points out that both the wise and the foolish end in death. Apathy. Apathy is found here, but rare in other places in our scriptures. Even to admit the presence of the apathetic disposition among the faithful is a rather threatening admission. The author laments that although he has grown wiser than any other in the land, he still believes that he is just wasting his time and chasing the wind. Wisdom doesn't matter. Foolishness doesn't matter. We are all just here. We might as well eat, drink, and be merry and let God take care of the rest. We forget that faith requires an active response, an engagement with God, a willingness to be transformed by God's work within us. We can't expect to sit back and let God do all the work. Sometimes I wonder if the greater spiritual danger is that gradual ceasing of faith that comes from a simple unwillingness to take the trouble 
to believe at all. When I was early on in my faith journey and wanting to explore Christianity coming out of Judaism, I had a dear friend who was with me every step of the way. I questioned a lot of the beliefs and practices of the particular church they belonged to, and I knew that if I were to become a follower of Jesus, I would need to find a different denomination, a different church in which to grow my faith. As this person graduated from high school and went off to college, they left their faith altogether, perhaps assuming that their church must be the only brand of Christianity, and that wasn't the kind that they wanted. They had no desire to seek elsewhere, no desire to challenge what they had been taught in that particular place, no desire to ask the hard questions and do the work to reconnect with the God that they may know. And to this day, that person is not a person of faith at all. So it is when we don't take the time to challenge ourselves, to question, to ask others to come alongside us, to wrestle with us, and to grow in our faith that we fall into that trap of sloth. The sin that we just don't care enough to put in the effort to further shape our relationship with God and community. When the going gets tough, we give up and walk away rather than seeing what our options are and what God is doing among us and within us. We face the possibility that the light of Christ within us grows dim. So we must keep running the race that is set before us, as the author of Hebrews writes so beautifully. We must fix our eyes upon Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, so that we will not get distracted and lose sight of our belief and our hope in God. After all, slothfulness is the failure to put your shoulder to the task and letting spiritual apathy take over. It is a sin that lets faith slip away, not putting it into action, not setting aside time to invest yourself within it. It is a sin of simply just showing up and putting forth no effort, ceasing to care or even attempt to discern what God is doing. In this, I'm reminded of people who survive traumatic events and then must face a decision to shut themselves away from the world or go back to the same place in which something happened and make a difference and to be faces of joy and hope in the world in the midst of sadness and pain. On April 15, 2013, many of us were glued to our TVs as we watched the horrendous events of the Boston Marathon bombing unfold. We continued over the next few weeks to hear about the stories of those who set off the bombs, of course, but more than that, we also began to hear about the stories of the victims of the bombings, both those who survived and those who did not. Many survivors made the choice to return to the finish line just one year later to finish the race, some with missing limbs, many with physical and emotional scars that may never fully and truly heal. One photographer took on a project called message on skin. 
that included portraits of survivors at the finish line with writings of what they would like to say to the world. So we're going to take a look at a few of these. Photos speak for themselves, don't they? So may we not give up. May these words and faces be inspiration for us not to fall asleep and trip over the sin of sloth. It might be harder than you think. Even the disciples on the night that Jesus was arrested couldn't stay awake for just one hour to keep watch with him while he prayed. Yet, he invites us to be watchful and to keep going, running the race with perseverance even in the face of hardship, doubt, despair, and yes, especially our temptation into spiritual apathy and laziness. After all, the resurrection of Christ is the great awakening. Christians are those who, by the grace of God, awake out of our slothful stupor and move toward the light of Christ. So may we not fall into slothfulness, which is the sin of the person who refuses to be forgiven, who has the arrogance of believing that we are without hope or help, and has the despair that there is no truth in the sacramental means of grace offered to us in the church. Sloth is a sin of the person who holds suspicion that when Jesus says to the sick, the broken, the tired, rise, your sins are forgiven, that slothful person believes that Jesus is lying. So it is time for us to wake up from our slothful slumber and get to work, setting aside our sins of laziness and spiritual apathy, putting aside our sadness and despair, and opening ourselves to the possibility of new life and hope. It is a time to praise God who calls us forth from our slothfulness and into the light of the world. So will you join me on this great adventure, or will you choose to stay in bed? Amen. You know, it's not every deadly sin that gets its own mascot. Yours was called Poke. Slowpoke? Well, this is Flash. And if you watch the movie Zootopia, you know all about Flash. Uh, he works in the BMV. And uh, you, you might want to just Google the scene. You don't even have to watch the whole movie. The scene's hilarious itself. Uh, a few important facts about sloth. The big question to ask is which came first, the animal or the word? Any guesses? How many say the word? How many say the animal? Well, actually, it's the word. The word came in the 15th century, and uh, it was defined then as apathy or the inactivity in regards to virtue. The animal got the name given to it in the 17th century. And a few little facts about sloths. Sloths are, uh, they live in the rainforest of Central and South America. They uh, travel at a rate of about 40 yards per day, eating twigs and buds and things like that, leaves. And uh, they 
sleep about 15 to 20 hours a day, known for their very slow metabolic rate. So I brought Flash with me today because it kind of um, reminds me of myself. Because when, when I think of the, the name sloth, um, I think about all the people that we deal with here at Nobles of First. And I want you to know I've come across a lot of very high-achieving people. And my guess is most of us are not too worried about the sin of sloth. And I have to admit that when I came into preparation for this message, I kind of thought the same thing. Because people that know me know that I'm not somebody that lets grass grow under my feet. I'm kind of on the go. Matter of fact, the last time I was together with all my kids, they started reminiscing about growing up with Dad. And one of their favorite memories is that one of my tendencies is I'm always in a hurry. Matter of fact... Uh, the kids remarked how all the time they might be all in the van. I got to run into the store to get something. Well, I literally run into the store. <laughs> I just trot in. Everything goes. Of course, they don't appreciate that when you're raising four kids, time is a precious commodity, right? So I might be a little extreme, but I do get it honestly because I grew up with a workaholic father who was an air traffic controller, and we farmed 400 acres on the side. And so we were always busy. Dad never took time off except for Sunday morning and occasionally on a Sunday night. Or in fact, there's words <clears throat> echo in my mind constantly. <clears throat> Dad had a tendency, I might be out late on a Friday night as a teenager, and he'd come into my room, expect me to get up and head to the farm with him, and his words would say, you're going to sleep all day? So... Consequently, I wake up without alarm every day because those words echo in my mind. So sloth is probably one of my least concerned uh, sins, but that's only the case if we tend to think that it's all about laziness. And I know I'm not alone because Americans themselves, if you ever go to other countries like Italy or Greece and they take that afternoon siesta, Americans look like some of the most hyperactive people in the world, right? We literally run off Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, Red Bull, five-hour energy. We work longer hours and take fewer vacations than any people in the industrialized world. If we're not on the job... We're making home improvements. We're driving the kids everywhere. We're working out of the gym. It's hard for us to be too concerned about the sin of sloth. But you see, when I I dove into this subject, I realized that sloth is more than just about laziness. That's really not what the desert fathers had in mind when they went out into that desert in search of trying to find a way to be closer to God. What they discovered was that they experienced all of these sins in various ways, including sloth. To them, sloth was more than lazy because those monks were far from lazy. They worked extremely hard. But they still experienced spiritual apathy, indifference, and carelessness. The Latin term they used was asadia. It literally means the absence of caring. The monks called it the noonday demon. The 4th century monk Cassian describes the sin of sloth as being bored, restless, apathetic, indifferent. And in this state, one felt their work was fruitless, and they wondered if life was better in other monasteries. It's kind of that grass is greener somewhere else syndrome. 
this apathy can look a lot like laziness, and sometimes it can result in laziness. But it's a little different. It's a lot more deadly. One can be very busy and have life full of activity and still experience sloth because ultimately sloth is about losing touch with your life purpose. Dante defined Asadia as the failure to love God with all your heart, in all your soul, in all your mind. So what does sloth exactly look like? I think the best way to describe it is think about the analogy of marriage. Remember if you first get married and how those first few years, everything is so exciting. The coals of your love burn hot. You can't wait to talk to each other. You're looking forward to the end of the day to catch up with each other. And then life happens, right? Kids come along. You start building your careers. You buy a house. You start filling that house with stuff. And then pretty soon you aren't quite as excited about seeing each other. The responsibilities of life weigh you down and you kind of lose touch with each other. You experience that midday marriage experience, the, the noonday demon, you might say. But couples that learn to work through that, who choose to love each other, who choose to make time for one another, who choose to go out on dates, find that that love can be rekindled and strengthened. You know older couples that are just as in love with each other now as they were years ago because they've chosen to deal with that apathy. They don't fall victim to that tendency of thinking, well, other marriages might be better than ours. The grass is greener syndrome. If they stand firm to the end, then they experience all the fruits that come from that relationship. And the same thing can happen in our relationship with God. And when that happens, we lose sight of who we are and why we are on this earth. And that sin of sloth can enter your life in so many ways. It's the result of not keeping God at the center of your life. It happens when we fail to stop and evaluate our lives from time to time. Sloth happens when we lose focus on what really matters. I see sloth happening when parents are running their kids to all kinds of activities and they are so busy they end up losing touch with their core values, why they had kids in the first place. I see sloth happening with a hardworking man who comes home from a long day and then turns on the TV and just searches the channels all night, missing all the family activity around them. I see sloth for those that get on social media and start looking at all those Facebook posts and after a while you Notice an hour or two have gone by, and those hours you'll never get back, right? I see sloth in people who retire and now are just lost because so much of their life has been spent being productive. They don't know what their life is without it. I see sloth in people who are so busy entertaining themselves, trying to fill their life full of experiences that they lose touch with the reality that God put us here first to love and serve one another. And I even see sloth in pastors and sometimes church leaders who get so busy in the organization and the business of the church 
that they lose touch with the Holy Spirit that gives us the passion and fuels us with the love of God in the first place. So let's be honest. We probably all experience sloth from time to time in our life. Life can be challenging. It can wear us down. So my best advice is if you want to overcome the sin of sloth, make sure from time to time you stop and ask yourself, why am I here? And if that's just too big of a question, then make it part of your routine that when you get up, you ask the Lord, how can I serve you today? Or who would you like me to bless today? What a great way to start. When I thought about the real meaning of sloth, what came to mind is that classic story that's been told about the woodcutter. He came to the timber merchant in search of a job, and he was given a job. It was well-painted, so he wanted to work hard, and he went out, and the first day he knocked down 18 trees. The boss said, well done. You can start cutting over here this time. And, and that day, he worked hard, harder than he did the first day. But for some reason, he only cut down 15 trees. And the next day, it got even worse. In spite of how hard he worked, he only cut down 10 trees. And finally, he went and complained to the boss that he's working as hard as he can. He apologized. And the boss said, well, did you take time to sharpen your axe? And his comment was, I didn't have time to sharpen my axe. I was too busy cutting down trees. Doesn't that describe our lives sometimes? Abraham Lincoln once said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. So if you want to avoid the sin of sloth, I recommend that you take time to sharpen your axe. Amen.